What up, what up? You are now tuned into the Lionhearted Podcast, where the fearless reside and only the strong survive. I'm your boy, Maine, so let's get into it. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about the NBA, the playoffs, and its final push. Now that there's only a handful of games left for each team. And the way the playing tournament works is if you get the number seven through 10, you have to play March Madness style. One one and done game to see who gets the final two playoff spots in each conference. And for the Western Conference, it's a log jam. Like the top three teams, they're basically solidified in the positions that they're in currently today. And I say currently today because... You can literally go to sleep. And if your team is in the Western Conference, you could wake up tomorrow. Like, they could be the sixth seed. Then you wake up, they could drop all the way out to 11. And the 11 spot is where you don't want to be. Because that means you're out of the dance completely. Even though the top teams are solidified, all the teams at the top, I feel like, they can be had by those bottom teams because believe it or not the bottom teams actually have more talent and I know you probably hearing me say that thinking like how can that be if they're all the way at the bottom well if you've played sports or even if you haven't we all know that injuries play a big part in how things go on game to game week to week and all that, who playing, who's out, and all that, it really matters. So I figure, why not go down the line and give a detailed opinion on all the teams that's either currently in the playoffs, the teams that are currently in the play-in, or the teams that are still fighting for their lives, but they still have a puncher's chance to sneak in. And you know what they say, once you get into the dance, everybody can boogie. Okay, to start off first with the Western Conference, because that's where it's the most parity out West. You literally have four through 12 where any of those teams can be in the playoffs once it's over within about a week and a half, maybe two weeks or so, however long we got left. Like the Nuggets, for instance. Yeah, they have the number one seed, but they have the number one seed for a totally different reason. If anybody know anything about Denver, the altitude, and that plays a big factor. So what the Nuggets were able to do at the beginning of the season, when a lot of the teams was figuring themselves out still, the Nuggets have had their core pieces for the last few years. The only piece that was not solidified was the injury to Jamal Murray. But as the season has picked up, he has came around to his all-star form where he was many years ago. Well, a few years ago. It ain't been that long. It seemed like it have, but it hasn't. And, of course, they have the two-time runner-up, MVP, and Nikola Jokic, the Joker. And statistically-wise, he's been consistent to the numbers in the past 
that he has put up that has garnered him that award. But if you watch the team's play and the players that they have, they they don't seem like they're that solid. Nobody is scared to play the Nuggets. Not in a seven-game series. All the teams from the four all the way to the 12, I give them a real shot to beat them Nuggets in a seven-game series. And it probably wouldn't even go seven games. I got whatever series they playing, whether they win or lose in the first round, it would go six games. So what that would mean is the league's MVP, the league's three-time MVP, three years in a row, would be sitting at home before they even usually give the award out. Award out, excuse me. They don't give the award out till the semifinals, sometimes the conference finals. You don't want your if you're the NBA, you don't want your MVP sitting at home during the playoffs. In my lifetime, I've only known that to happen one other time. And this person is a legend and it's no disrespect to him, but it happened. So we got to mention it. Dirk Nowitzki in 2007, when the number one seeded Mavericks lost to the eight seeded Warriors, the We Believe Warriors. And that Warriors team, although talented, they should they had no business beating that Mavericks team. Especially if they got the league MVP in there. And that year, Dirk did deserve it. Statistically, he deserved it. But just because you're a good team in the regular season, don't mean you're going to be that same for the playoffs. So the Nuggets are number one, but they're real fraudulent, excuse me, to me. Then you got the Grizzlies in the number two spot. Ultra talented. Young players, but they lack experience. They talk the talk like they've been there before, but we all know they haven't. They have probably, in my opinion, the next face of the league or how the league would want it in John Morant. And as great as John Morant is, there's his size that factors into play. He's a small guard. Yes, he has eye-popping athleticism. So we have to take that into account. But we haven't seen a guard of his size lead a team as their best player since the great Allen Iverson way back in 2001. And they have another all-star in Jaron Jackson Jr. But I believe that's a blip in the radar. Yes, he's talented, But I don't believe that he'll be a consistent all-star for years to come. And other than that, they have a couple of three-point shooters. And they have some good wing defenders. They talk like they're great. But I would classify them as good. Because, yeah, they be getting stops. And, yeah, they can slow people down. But you can also drop 50 on them on any given night. And then there's the whole, is Ja going to be available during that time? Because we all know what he just went through. I went into detail on the, in that uh, episode five, and I talked about it. So go check it out if you haven't. Next, you got the Queens. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, the Kings. My bad. I had a flashback for a second. I thought it was 2002 all over again. 
you got the Sacramento Kings. They got a nice little young team. They have, but they don't have experience as well. And I'm going to keep bringing up experience because that matters in the playoffs. If you've been there before, it's cool to have talent, but you got to have experience to go along with that talent. They have a nice young point guard in De'Aaron Fox, quick, athletic. He can get to the bucket whenever he wants. He can score with the best of them, especially from the mid-range. His three-pointer has gotten so much better since he came out of Kentucky. So I got to give him credit. And he did make the All-Star team this year. And then they have Sabonis, who we call Baby Sabonis. Because his dad was a great player back in the day. Arbita Sabonis for the Portland Trailblazers. I got to give him some love, too, because he's been consistent all season. And he's also an All-Star. And they do have Coach Mike Brown on their bench. Their bench is not what I'm worried about because they have coaches who've been there and done that. So they have the teaching, but again, do they have the experience? They got a few experienced players like Harrison Barnes. Of course, he won a championship as a great role player with the Warriors from the Warriors' first championship back in 2015. But that was many moons ago. It's like, you know, how did it, how this is, it's a like, what have you done for me lately type league. So we got to factor that in too. And the whole time I've been saying, I want my Lakers to get to that six seed. Not only from a historical perspective, again, I feel like the Kings can be had. I feel like we can get them. For me, that would be a dream matchup. And I think it'll happen. When all is said and done. Next, we will have Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns. Excuse me. We got the Phoenix Suns. They made the finals last year. And then now, they done added arguably a top three player in the NBA in Kevin Durant. But how is that going to mesh when he come back? Because he got injured in warmups and like a fluke freak injury that you rarely don't see. But what I love about KD's game is that KD doesn't rely on athleticism to be dominant. He has a silky smooth type of game and it can blend in, which we've seen when he played for the Warriors. Even when he was playing for the Nets, as crazy as that experience was and it did not work out. No fault of his own. But Kevin Durant with Devin Booker with a floor general like Chris Paul. No disrespect to Russell Westbrook, but Chris Paul will be the greatest point guard that Kevin Durant has ever played with. Kyrie Irving, as talented as you are, it didn't work in Brooklyn, so I can't give you no flowers for that, buddy. It was a lot of things going on that kept you away from on-the-court action. So I got to give the greatest player, point guard, excuse me, Floor general. I'm not going to say point guard because there is Steph Curry. Steph Curry is is probably the greatest point guard of this generation. Hands down. But floor general wise, I have to give that to CP3. And that's going to make a big difference. And they still got Big Aiden when he decides to show up in the middle. So the Suns, they're formidable. They cannot be ignored. Because when they have full strength on paper, they look like the team to beat in the West. 
I'm going to be totally honest about that. As much as I hate to admit it, I'm going to always keep it real. So with that, we just got to let nature take its course. And hopefully, because I want to see every team healthy because I want everybody at their best. So hopefully they can get at full strength and we can still see what they really become. <laughs> and then you got the, I don't mean to laugh, but then you got the other team in L.A., the team in the basement, as I like to call them, the Flippers. I'm um, Clippers. Excuse me. They they did suffer a big injury, and like I said, I'm not one of those people that's gonna champion injuries because I'm not only a former basketball player myself. I'm just as a as an athlete and somebody that plays sports. I don't wish injuries on anyone. But the Clippers, like I said in episode two, you can go check it out. The Clippers have been media darlings for years, but that's all they've ever been. A bunch of nice pieces that don't really fit together when it matters. And for them, health is also a big thing. When your best player load manages half the season, sometimes all of a season, three quarters of it way through, that's never good because it's always, oh, if. Kawhi was there or if this person was there this is what they would be that's all the Clippers have ever been since I've been watching basketball is what if or what could be never what was or what is they just recently lost Paul George who is clearly their second best player and he even came out recently and said I don't mind being a Robin which I respect it if someone can realize like everybody's not alpha, everybody is not built like that. And for him to just come out and say it and, and not be delusional and like, and because everybody don't want to be number one, as crazy as that sounds, some people are okay with being number two. I don't really get it because that's never my thought process. If you ain't number one, you last. And that's how I feel. But with his injury that's major because it's like now who is going to be that consistent number two when Kawhi is out because we know he's going to miss games that's a given so who's going to be able to carry whenever he sit down now that again some would say that they have the coaching but not really I don't think so because it's Ty Lu, and my question is Like I said before in previous episodes, what coaching job has Tyron Lon, excuse me, Ty Lue done that didn't involve LeBron James? I feel like anybody could win if you got LeBron James on your team. So does that make you a good coach? Because you had the king? Like, no. The mark of a good coach is when the chips are down, you take your team and you rise them to levels that no one ever seen them coming. No one ever seen them able to get to. But again, that's another wait and see. I don't think they're going to be nothing. They ain't never been nothing. So, But that's just my opinion on that. And then next, you got the most dangerous team outside of my Lakers. You know, even though I'm a little biased, I ain't going to front with that one. But to me, This is the most dangerous team because not only are they the defending champions, the Warriors have not only that championship pedigree, 
They got the players to back it up. They literally got the Splash Brothers, the two, the the two greatest shooters in NBA history, hands down. The numbers may not say that Clay is up there because he doesn't get the volume that Curry may get, the volume of shots that Curry may get. But no doubt, he's number two. Curry is number one. Clay is number two. Everybody knows about nuclear Clay. How hot Clay can get. Clay can get 60 in a game in his sleep. But so can Curry. And they also have Draymond Green. Draymond Green, if you if you're a person who thrive off of analytics and look at statistics, if you look at the numbers, he's not that great. They never the numbers never scream that loud. But if you're a real hooper, a real basketball head, and you know what it entails, what it entails inside the game then you know that Draymond Green's impact is unmatched. He, yes, he's undersized, but you can put him on your best big man or you can put him on your best point guard in crunch time when it really matters. Then you got a 6'9", Andrew Wiggins, at athletic, athlete, uber athlete, can make the three, can get his own bucket at any time. They have all the pieces to where they can make a deep run once again. And like I said, when you got Curry and Clay shooting the lights out, you cannot sleep on that team. And I know everybody likes to bring up the fact that the Warriors struggle on the road this year. Oh, they can't win on the road. They're only a home team. They're only a home team. Yeah, believe that if you want to. Believe that the Warriors can't come into your building and take not only one but two games. Sleep on them if you want to. Guess what? You're going to be right at home sleeping instead of playing for that championship. So the Warriors have a greater, a greatest chance as any to making it to the finals once again. And they still can repeat. Because one thing a, a player never forgets how to do is shoot that basketball. And that's something Steph Curry and Klay Thompson can do. And we all know Steve Kerr's pedigree on the coaching side. Not only as a coach, as a player, all that. Steve Kerr has always been, in the biggest moments, he has always been one of the calmest in the storm. Just go ask MJ. Because there was a couple of rings that MJ wouldn't have if it wasn't for Kerr. I know a lot of y'all don't don't like to give other people credit when it comes to Mike Jordan, but let's just keep it all the way real. Steve Kerr played a big part in them Bulls championships too. And he's been doing the same thing for the Warriors since he's been the head guy. Then there's another team, the Timberwolves. They're in the seventh spot. They got my boy Aunt Edwards, who's been balling all season. But they still got Big Cat, who's missed the majority of the season. But now he's back. And it was like he ain't skipped a beat. Balling right away. So are they scary? You better believe it. Because I know better than anybody that one-two punch, if you got a guard and then you got a big man, anything can happen. Or a wing player and don't necessarily got to be a guard. Anything can happen. But to me, that's always been a recipe for a championship. Give me a great guard and give me a great big man and we can make shit happen. But again, health is going to be a big factor. Health and availability for them as well. Because they have the pieces where... I'm not going to sit here and lie and say they can win a championship, but I could see them getting out of the first round. I could see them surprising somebody, maybe second round, 
and and taking the second round opponent to seven games. They got enough talent to do that, I believe. So we just got to wait and see with the Timberwolves. But hey, like I said, once you get into the dance, anything can happen. Then you got the Pelicans. They got the talent. They got some sneaky talent over there or down there in New Orleans, I should say. But their best player is never available. And I love Brandon Ingram. Being a Duke fan, that was my guy. Man, I miss B.I. being a Laker. I wish he was still a Laker to this day. Even though I love the team that we have now, B.I., that's my guy. But Zion is just never available. So I don't know what to think about the Pelicans. I don't know if they're just going to tank it the rest of the season or if they're really going to try to fight to get in because they have C.J. McCullum as well. And we all know where C.J. came from up in Portland. They don't like to just mail it in. They they have this delusion within them that anything is possible. And that's great. That's great to have. But at some point, given the injury history of the best player, knowing you've given all that money to the best player, the number one overall pick in Zion, when do you just cut your losses and say like, hey, we'll we'll give it a shot next year? Next year will be the time because you still got that young piece in Zion. You still got B.I. locked up for a few more years. You just paid C.J. So you got your top three players. You got your core pieces and you just need to build around that. But you don't want to risk because B.I. has kind of had like a light injury history. Not as bad as Zion, but you don't want to risk trying to fight for a play in or a playoff spot on the lower end of the, the conference and risk injury and mortgage your future for a couple of games this season. So we have to wait and see how that goes. But me personally, I would just shut it down. I would just shut it down and because Zion is your future. It's a lot of stuff you hear out there like, oh, should we trade him? He can't stay healthy. We have to remember, they said the same thing about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid missed all of his first two seasons. Missed all of his first two seasons. And look at him now. In my opinion, which I'm going to talk about this in depth later in the episode, I believe he's this league's MVP for this year. He's the league MVP. He's been one of the best players on a top three team, but he's been the most consistent. And this is probably the healthiest he's ever been since he came into the NBA. But back to my list. All right, so next, we got my Lakers at at nine. See, now, the Lakers, they love that Hollywood drama. They love prosperity. They can never just make it easy on themselves. They can never just make it easy on, on us, the fans, Laker Nation. See, and the difference between us and a lot of other fans, we real knowledgeable about the game. So, yeah, it's true. We can be hard on players at time. We can be hard on coaches at time. But it's not because we don't know. It's because of what we do know. And yeah, we're spoiled in a sense. Because even in my lifetime, seeing six championships in the last, I'm going to say, 25 years since I was about, I've been watching basketball since I was about six, six years old. So 
I'm going to say roughly the last 25 years, the Lakers have always been great. And sometimes I got to catch myself. You know, this generation is different. This generation, they experienced the Lakers being at the bottom. So whenever I hear like somebody young and first thing they mention is, oh, Steph Curry and the Warriors. And here I am talking about the Lakers. But thinking about it like, man. Lakers ain't really been great like that since Kobe. I know I know we sneaked up in that bubble ring with Brian and AD, and we grateful for it. But we kind of at a point where we need to see y'all do it outside. Because one thing we was robbed of because of COVID, no fault of y'all's, because y'all did y'all part. We didn't get to have that parade. So I feel like we need that. And like I said, the problem with my Lakers is they lose games. They ain't got no business losing. As I record this, we just lost to the Bulls yesterday. The Bulls got some good players, but they not. They not doing it like that out east. You know what I mean? We had no reason to lose that game. And we actually got LeBron James back yesterday. But with getting LeBron James back, the energy of the team, it was non-existent. And so I'm like... Y'all was playing like borderline all-stars, all y'all. Anthony Davis was playing like a superstar. But yesterday, everybody outside of LeBron and Troy Brown Jr., of all people, looked at like they belong in the G League. And of course, we didn't have D'Angelo Russell. And like I always say, health matters. But still, I feel like we can't blame the front office no more. As a fan base, Laker Nation, we can't blame Rob. He's done his job. So, with that being said, it's what you do on the court. And yeah, we can blame our coaching staff because, yes, we have a rookie coach. And I try to tell myself that. I try to tell myself that all the time. Like, we have a rookie coach. Our coaching staff don't have as much experience as other teams do but at the same time our coach actually won a championship as a player he just won a championship with the Bucks as an assistant coach back in 2021 you've coached greatness because you coached Giannis Chris Middleton is an all-star Drew Holiday is an all-star so you know what it's like to coach stars there should be no point when you have two top 10 players top five talents you should never have them both off the floor at the same time unless it's a blowout you stagger the minutes and if I can say that as a fan and as a podcaster you're on the sideline how you don't see that you get paid millions of dollars to see that what I just said and I can see it and I ain't getting paid a dime. Yeah. I find I, yeah, I have a big problem with that. So we just need to get it together as far as that. Stop letting teams beat us that ain't got no business beating us. Because even in the media, they're saying we're one of the most dangerous teams in the West right now. They got us because we have LeBron, who some consider the GOAT, and AD. Like I said, who is a top five talent, they got us at least making it to the conference finals. 
Maybe it's because of the subtraction of Westbrook and all that. But the pieces we have now, they're nice. They're talented. They fit together real well. It's just we got to get our coaching rotations together. And then we got to come out with the energy like this team don't belong on the floor with us. We have to start thinking that. Yes, we're the Lakers and people want to have their career highs against us. So 20 years from now, they can tell their grandkids and their kids, hey, I have my career high against the Lakers. But it's always a person that you've never heard of. And us as fans, we tired of that shit. So we got to get it together. As much as I'm a Laker fan, I don't got a problem keeping it real. Then you got a nice young team in the 10th spot. Like the Thunder. They got my boy Shake Yogis Alexander, who has been balling. He came out of nowhere. Like, this kid has been balling. My brother tried to tell me, like, yo, he got next up. You know, while the league talking about Ja, rightfully so. Shea is a nice young guard with that same type of with that same type of energy that Ja brings to the table. I just feel like Ja got a little bit more help. Because we got to remember, the Thunder have been all season without their top pick in Chet Holmgren. And I think he's going to be a nice NBA player when he does finally step on the floor. It sucks that he missed this whole rookie season with an injury. But I feel like with the coaching staff that they have over there and the star player that they have, the all-star in Shea Gilgis, that they're going to be nice when it comes to the future. It might take them like another two years or so, but they'll be great eventually going into the next decade or so. They'll be one of the teams to really watch for. Then you got one of the most confusing teams. Still can't figure them out. You got somebody who for the first part of the season I had in my MVP ladder. And that's cool hand Luka. Luka Doncic. But it seems like ever since... Dallas kind of mortgaged everything and they made a blockbuster trade just to make a splash, which Mark Cuban has been trying to do for years. They went and got Kyrie and this no disrespect to Kyrie, but Luca and Kyrie's games are so similar. They don't fit together, in my opinion. So and you can look at the statistics and it shows when one of them plays versus when one of them sits. When one of them and then when the other one plays and the other one sits, I think the record is even better. I think when Luca plays when Luca plays by himself, they're about a five hundred team. They're actually above five hundred when Kyrie plays for himself. And then when they don't play, when they both don't play, excuse me, it speaks for themselves. Like you ain't gonna win nothing without your star players. I mean, it just the league is just not built like that. So so far, I would give this trade a D since the trade deadline. And like I always say, some of the greatest trades are the trades that you don't make. And I'm not going to lie. When it first didn't happen, I'm like, man, they headed on my Lakers again. They didn't want us to be great. They didn't want Brian to be back with Kyrie and all this other stuff. But now looking at the team that we have now versus what that one player that we could have had as great as he is and as great as we've seen the fit happen back in Cleveland we don't know if it would have translated over like I said the name is the name 
but I don't care what your name is if the game ain't translating. And then it's surprising, but not so surprising because they kind of been balling all season under the radar. The Utah Jazz with Jordan Clarkson and they all-star Larry Markkinen. See, everybody thought once Rudy Gobert was traded to Minnesota, once Donovan Mitchell asked out and got to Cleveland, that the Jazz was just going to take a nosedive. I was one of those people. I'm not going to lie. Because the Lori Markkinen that was in Minnesota and the Lori Markkinen that was in Chicago, I didn't see this. It's like he got to Utah, he got in his element, and he just decided to flourish. And I love to see it because he got the game. He kind of reminded me of a young Dirk Nowitzki. And the blasphemy, I know people are going to be like, Dirk, man, you're crazy. Hey, if y'all remember Dirk when he first got to Dallas, and look at Larry Mark in his game. Real hoopers know what I'm talking about. Actually, he can do something that Dirk wasn't really doing. He can put it on the deck, and he can get to the rack, and he still has, to his standards, a high level of athleticism. You know, different strokes for different folks, man. But to me, at his size, he is an uber athlete. But that's just my opinion, right? So, yeah, that's the Western Conference, though. And I'm glad I was able to do this episode because, and I got to give a shout out to my boy B because he uh, called me one day and he was talking to me about, like, what did I think about the Warriors? He was asking me my opinion on the Warriors. And like I was saying a little bit ago, like, you know, I'm still kind of old school. Like, man, why are you talking about the Lakers? Well, why are you talking about the Warriors, man? It's all about the Lakers, man. We from California. But then I had to remember, like, he grew up in a Steph Curry time. So Steph Curry, Steph Curry is all the kids' guys. Like, he's, that's their guy, is the Warriors. So I was like, man, let me do a whole episode. And just, instead of just talking about the Lakers and Warriors, because we can go back and forth on that all day. But let me just talk about the playoff race as a whole because it's so interesting. But yeah, that's my thoughts on the Western Conference. So let's just see how it play out. Like I said, right now we got the Nuggets in the first spot. Then you got the Grizzlies, Kings, Suns, Clippers, Warriors. Those are the teams as of now that's solidified in the playoffs. Then in the play-in, you got in the seventh spot, you got the Timberwolves. Number eight, you got the Pels. Number nine for right now, you got the Lakers. Number 10, you got the Thunder. In the 11th spot, which is out of the plan, but I got to still mention them because they still have a puncher's chance, is the Mavericks. And then under them, right up under them, I think they're, yeah, they're as I look at it right now, they're tied with the same record, is the Jazz at 12. So, yeah, that's just my take on the Western Conference. Let's see how it play out. And... Let's see how it go from here. Okay, now I got to give some love to the Eastern Conference, the beast of the East. 
it's real top heavy, which over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, that's the Eastern Conference as a whole. Once you get past the top three teams, it's really a toss up at the bottom. And it's not really paid attention to or got a lot of light shed to it. But right now, as I look at my notes, I got about the top five. I think I'm going to go top five. Anything above that, no disrespect from 6 to 11 or 6 to 13, whatever it is on the Eastern Conference side. These are the teams that I feel got a chance to at least make the conference finals. And two of the teams, it wouldn't be a shock, but I would be surprised. And I know it was a lot of people in episode two that was like, I really didn't give a lot of love to the Eastern Conference. But at the time, it wasn't just me. It was the top two in the East, top three in the East, and the rest, they was all talking about what was coming on. Well, excuse me, what was going on out West. So, hey, but things have changed since I did that. So I figure the standings changed a little bit. I can shed a little light on it from my perspective. You know, first, now, it was the Celtics back then, but you got the Bucks in the number one spot. And, of course, they got Giannis Antetokounmpo. They got Chris Middleton, as well as Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez, a, a nice cast of role players. And Coach Bud has them playing like a team always. But they've been there before. So we know they got the experience. Yep, there's that word again. Experience matters. It's the best teacher. The best teacher in life, as they love to say. So, yeah, that's the team that I got making it to the finals. Would be the Bucks and Giannis. Until somebody showed me that they could stop Giannis, a healthy Giannis with a healthy cast of characters around him in a seven-game series, that's who I got picked. It's like, I got to see it to believe it. And then you got the Celtics. Everybody knows about the mess that happened with them in the offseason and them losing their head coach and all that. So the fact that they're even a top three seed, hey, they deserve some credit for that. As much as I hate it as a Laker fan to give credit to the Celtics, I always got to keep it real. First and foremost, that's most important to me. And then they got one of my favorite players. I just hate the fact that I can't root for him because he got that jersey on. I ain't one of those like, oh, he's doing great. So, nah, man. He got that Celtic green on. That's public enemy number one. And I'm talking about Jason Tatum. But this has been the Jason Tatum over the last four years or so. But only in the regular season. He tends to flame out when it counts the most. Like when it really matters, when the chips are down, are you going to be that player to show up? You got your number two and Jalen Brown, who is always consistent, who don't get no love, which I believe is criminal. They talk about the Celtics and all they talk about is JT. And yes, he is their best player, but they wouldn't be as deep and their record wouldn't be as good as it is without the services of Jalen Brown. So let's not forget that. But again, we still in the regular season. 
I expect Boston to at least be in the conference finals. But that's my expectation. In reality, I think they're going to crumble once again. They might lose in the West semis. No, East semis. Excuse me. East semis to the next team I'm about to talk about. And that's the Philadelphia 76ers, who is locked into the three seed. And again, they have the ultimate formula, that one-two punch, that big man that you need to dominate, and that guy on the perimeter in James Harden that still, even at his age and injury history, considered one of the best guards in the league. You can't sleep on James Harden. Because he can do it at all three levels. He can get to the rack. He can get to the free throw line. He's good in the mid-range with the float game. And his three balls as deadly as anybody playing right now. So I wouldn't sleep on the Sixers. Matter of fact, in my opinion, they got the league MVP in Joel Embiid. That's who I got picked at the top of my ladder. Yes. An MVP with a team with the third best record in this conference, it's possible because consistency matters. Joel Embiid not only does it in the regular season, he does it in the postseason as well. But the only thing about the Sixers is outside of their coaching because we all know Doc Rivers has been known to flame out. He got that one championship that he got with Boston in 08 that he's still living off of, still getting jobs off of. And we know he didn't do nothing with the Clippers. We know he flamed out countless times with them. So the fact that we know Joel Embiid is going to be there, he's going to be consistent. James Harden is going to be there. He's going to be consistent, uh, consistent, excuse me, if healthy, if healthy, if his hamstrings hold up, don't nobody want to see the Sixers in the East. Don't nobody want to see the Sixers in the East. And those are the top three teams in the East who've been getting the most love. But I got to talk about the Cavs because on paper, they look like one of the best teams. They probably got the best starting five in the league talent wise from the center all the way to the point guard. But again, do they have the experience to carry them all the way through? Yes, they have the all star in Donovan Mitchell. They have Evan Mobley. They have Jared Allen. They have uh, Darius Garland running the show. He's an all-star, a former all-star as well. They have everything needed to formulate a championship team. But watching this team play, as great as they are at times, I just feel like if you get them in a seven-game series and you can focus on them for two weeks, you can figure out their weaknesses that their strengths often hide. And then last but not least, in the East, You got the New York Knicks. Now, the Knicks ain't been good since I was in elementary school. So, outside of the what Carmelo Anthony did when he first got to the Knicks. Because Melo had the Knicks. He had New York jumping. He had them in the playoffs and he had them making noise. But outside of that, the Knicks have been trash for years. But now I feel like they got the perfect coach to be in the garden. Somebody that can handle the back page news and all the scrutiny because as far as the scrutiny goes and the way the fan bases can be outside of actually winning 
The Lakers and the Knicks, they're one and the same. The only difference is we win. So our fans, our fans being the way we are in Laker Nation, and I don't like to use the word nation on all the teams like they do. I don't know what they call Knicks fans, but all the Knicks loyal fans that they have, even though they don't have all the right to be as boisterous as they are, they tend to be that anyway. But Tibbs have got them playing very well, especially down the stretch. They had a stretch there in the middle of the season, I think from like Christmas time all the way to the beginning of February where they won like it was either 16 straight games or 16 out of 17 straight games, uh, 17 games, excuse me. And of course, they got Jalen Brunson, who has been balling out of his mind. And nobody's seen that coming out of Jalen Brunson because we never seen that in Dallas. I'm not going to say he didn't have talent because he had talent when he was with the Mavericks. But we didn't see this. And even Julius Randle, it's great to see Drew and how he has grown as a player. And knowing, and he gave Kobe so much credit, which rightfully so, because that was his vet when he first came to the league. And it's like, you hear all the chatter, especially from our side. Like, oh, why this player couldn't be this for us? Why? Sometimes you have to get away to grow. And there's nothing wrong with that. So seeing the Knicks good again or relevant again is great to see. Because I know when I was younger, the Patrick Ewing Knicks, they were always talked about. And then they had a lot of downtime. And then when Melo got there in like 2013, 2012, 2013, he had the garden jumping again. And then after Melo kind of flamed out of New York, it was like, man, what's next? And much credit to Julius Randle. He actually took that torch that not many people are willing to take. Nowadays, everybody go to Brooklyn. But don't nobody want to go play in the garden because it's a different level of scrutiny that comes with that. Which I know all about that because the Lakers experienced that for a good six, seven years. Until LeBron, who had a star, who had an aura and a star power around him that was going to shine shit. Even if he chose to go down to Orlando, he still would have been the biggest thing since sliced bread. But we got to wait to see how it play out with the Eastern Conference. Like I said, that's the top five. The Bucks, Celtics, Knicks, Cavs, and, and Knicks. And the Cavs can surprise any of the top three. The Knicks, they're more of a defensive-minded team. So that's more of like a wait and see. And one thing we know about Tibbs, as great as his system is, and we've seen it with the Bulls for years. Like, it'll get you through the regular season, but you be so dog-tired when the playoffs come, you tend not to show up when it really matters. So, yeah, let's just buckle up and get to the end and see see what we got and let the chips fall where they may. Okay, so lastly, I want to give my take on the MVP ladder, my top five. This is the way I see it. 
All right, so first, who I got winning the award would be Joel Embiid. He has his team playing great right now. They're a top three seed in the East. So not only does he have the stats and the game to back it up, his team is following, and he has one of the best records in the league right now. I mean, after all, he is averaging 33.3 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, which is a double-double, 4.2 assists for a center, which is great, 1.7 blocks, and 1.1 steals. And like I said, the blocks, you expect that from a person that's 7 foot tall. But the steals and the assists, that's what make him great. He don't get enough credit for his passing ability. In my opinion. And if he not if he don't win the MVP, them is defensive player of the year's numbers as well. You can either give him both or you can give him either or. I would be fine with either or. But that's my league MVP for this season because he's been the most healthy and he's been the most consistent. Then I got Giannis Antetokounmpo. 31 points, 12 rebounds. Six assists. His defense has been down this year. He is only averaging 8.8 steals and 0.8 blocks. That's not typical Giannis defense. Other than the boards, he slacked off a lot defensively. Maybe because he had to carry a lot of the offensive load with Chris Middleton missing a lot of the first half of the season. As well as Drew Holiday kind of started slow at the beginning of this season so Giannis had to carry until they until the rest of them were able to pick it up and he's a two-time defensive player of the year so that's fine I mean we know what Giannis is defensively once he's locked in and we as we all know the playoffs is a total different beast from what the regular season is and then I then you got the Joker I got Joker at number three like I said he he has the best team in the West right now. The West, in my opinion, is the harder conference. Always has been. But his numbers, when I look at them, there's only one stat that really stands out to me. Because he averages, what, 25 points a game. Nah, in today's NBA, that's borderline mediocre. That's just par for the, par for the course. Excuse me. 12 rebounds. He is 7 foot tall. I would expect nothing less. Now, the stat that really jumps off the page is the 9.9 assists. He's about a half assist away from averaging a triple-double. So, I could see why the media want him to be a three-time MVP. Three-time MVP. Three straight, by the way. the num- That number alone, averaging a triple-double, team having the best record, that normally would get it for you. But like I said... It's always different in the playoffs. And I know the MVP is a regular season award. But if you're going to give somebody the MVP that I feel has a strong chance to be sitting at home before the award award, is even given out, that's a problem for me. So I hope before the media just cast their votes and just go off analytics, use the eye test. History matters. Because when the playoffs actually start, this might not be the Jokic that you see. And don't be surprised when he not putting up 
these big numbers in the playoffs because as we all know and even if you don't know I'm here to tell you the game slows down it's a lot more physical and what do they say about a lot of European players they don't like when the game get physical because that brings it into our wheelhouse and when I say our I mean Americans we play with that physicality and that's what they're not used to because most of Europeans have a very finesse game and then next on the list I got JT yeah that's right I got a Celtic on the list but like I said I gotta keep it real top two seed in the east averaging 30 points nine rebounds six assists a steal and 0.7 blocks and for a wing player those are great numbers But again, same with Jokic. I'm used to JT putting up these monster stats in the regular season. But I'm not looking for a regular season from him. It's all about the playoffs. We've seen you do this constantly in the regular season. We need to see you succeed when it matters most. You show me you can do that, then I'll become a believer. And the only reason why I say that is because, like I said, I've been following Jason Tatum since college. I'm a Duke fan. The one year he was at Duke, great during the regular season. When it was time to get into March Madness, when it was really time to dance, he was nowhere to be found. And to round out my list, I got, this is my dark horse, Shea Gilgis Alexander for the Thunder. He averaging 31 points, five rebounds, six assists, one almost two steals a game and a block a game for a point guard. And nobody thought the Thunder was going to be as good as they are because like I said, they are they is missing their top draft pick, the number 2 overall pick in Chet Holmgren. Who trust me, when he comes, the Thunder is going to be something to reckon with. So, just like it was when KD and Russ and Harden was with them, you get the Thunder while they down because once they get up, they're going to be all the way up. So that right there, that's just the MVP ladder the way I see it. It could flip-flop. You could have Giannis winning it. You can have Joker winning it. But that's just the way I see it. So I just wanted to shed a little light on that. But just like the MVP race, just like the playoff race in the West and the Eastern Conference, just because the vision is blurry, that doesn't diminish your greatness. Always remember that. Until next time, stay lion-hearted.